what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. I am the Downey half of this rock and sock connection, this dynamic duo. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. My co-host with me every single week. You can follow him on Twitter at Elmart810. It's the one. It's the only. It is Lynn Martez. What's up, man? Well, now you want to be nice. Fired me up, man, before we got on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's do this, man. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk about uh, what happened on Sunday. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Was there some Uh, important game that was played on Sunday? And we're going to flip things a little bit because typically the past couple of weeks when uh, after the Bucs were eliminated, we focused on the Bucs first and then we got into kind of the national headlines. It's the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about what happened on Sunday in the Super Bowl first, and then we'll get into some of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers headlines after we talk about that game. So, Lynn, let's do it. Super Bowl 56 this past Sunday in Inglewood, California at SoFi Stadium. The Los Angeles Rams become the second team ever to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium, beating the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 in a much closer game than what I expected. Uh, But that Rams defensive line finally took over in the second half. Just your thoughts on the game in general. Uh, How impressed were you with the game? Did it go a lot differently than what you expected? A little bit. I... (sighs) I didn't expect the the Bengals to keep it this close. They were helped out by, and pretty much this is how the Rams played football, and even in the playoffs, both these teams could have lost any of the playoff games they they played in. Mm-hmm. Any of them, any of them, anyone anyone that says, "Oh, that's not true," you're fooling yourself. There were one score games in each and every one of the playoff games that these teams won, and it's it's great for LA, and it's great for the Rams that they won a Super Bowl. It's great for Odell. It's great for eh, 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 I, we, Rams Cardinals wasn't close. Oh no, you're right. You're yeah, right. Okay. yeah. That's okay. the only. That's the only one. True, true. <laughs> which by the way, which by the way is your Cardinals. Your Here we go Arizona again, Cardinals. But yeah, you're correct. Be- beyond the that Monday Night Wild Card game that first weekend. Every other game, these teams could have could have easily lost. They were one score games. But again, the, the Rams, good for them. Odell, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, you know, the storylines that go with that. I'm not putting Matthew Stafford in the Hall of Fame, not going there. Um, the fact that McVay supposedly was, is considering moving on from coaching is another surprise. We're going to talk about that. I want to get into that a little bit. 36 years old, 36 years old, won a Super Bowl, you know, talks in regards to being burnt out. But again, all, and Aaron Donald had the phenomenal game that he had, especially the second half. Him and Von Miller having two sacks. Von Miller now has two Super Bowl rings. But again, with that, they could have easily lost Sunday. Mm -hmm. But all I'm saying about how it was good that they won, they could have easily lost on Sunday. And they were helped tremendously. They had a 15-play drive, the last game-winning drive. 
That ended with a one-yard touchdown catch by the MVP, Cooper Cup. But they had a 15-play drive. You know how long that 15-play drive took? Think about a 15-play drive in the NFL. When I say 15-play drive, you think how long in minutes? Seven. It was it was four minutes and about 30 seconds. You wanna wow. you wanna know why? Because not one, not two, but three consecutive penalties in that game-winning drive by the Bengals. And you know what? I'm not even blaming the Bengals for this. You called the game, and I, I'm talking about the refs. You called the games or the game and the quarters and the plays leading up to that game-winning drive a certain way. Then all of a sudden, you changed. I want to ask you about that pass interference uh, slash holding call there close to the goal line at the end of the game that really allowed the Rams to get that final touchdown. On the linebacker, Wilson? Yes, yes. I mean, we could talk about that. We could, we could talk about we could talk about calls, as I mentioned, on the final drive. And we could talk about calls that weren't made on the first play of the second half. T. Higgins, Jalen Ramsey. Yes. Okay, so again, if you're going to tell me we're going to let him play for 60 minutes, okay, let him play for 60 minutes. But they didn't. Because they let him play for 58 minutes and 31 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was that final drive, dude. I mean, you, it, you can't, it can't be that way. If I was a Bengals fan, I would be first. Based off of the fact that, and, and we can talk about what the Rams defense did that final drive against the Bengals. Not one but two plays back to block back, they had to get a yard and they couldn't get it. So that was impressive from a, from a Rams defense standpoint. But again, I mean, as far as that final drive is concerned, 15 plays and it's four and a half minutes because penalties here, penalties there, penalties here. Come on, man. I mean, you just I mean, at least masqueraded and covered up just a little bit to the fact that you weren't trying to have an effect on the football game because the refs did. And, I, and, and I'm the guy that says there's 120 plays in a game. And when we, when people say, hey, you know, bad call, we lost because of that bad call. I'm the guy that says you had 120 plays to make. Don't give me that one bad play. But Trey, it was a game-winning drive where, I'll say it again, it was one, two, three penalties, consecutive plays. That can't I'll happen, give, dude. I'll, I would give you that and say that Bengals fans could should be pissed if it weren't for that Higgins and Ramsey play because that play and that Agreed. sequence at the beginning of the second half changed the entire game. It put all the momentum in Cincinnati's favor. Now, I would like to see consistency from the refs, period, but it does it does go both ways because without that big play and without that without that touchdown there's a very good chance we're looking at a completely different score and a completely different game going down to the end of that but i'm with the you thing. on the consistency but, here's the, but the calls go both ways but here's the thing it's a matter of when the calls are made 
Because I'm telling you, as a Bengals fan, I would be pissed. You want to know why? It's the end of the game, dude. Yeah. If you're going to tell me, well, you know what? You, you, you got a break on, on the Ramsey call, the Ramsey non-call. And I would tell you, you're right. But here's the thing. If they make that call, guess what I have? The whole second half to either change the momentum or rebound from that play. You can't rebound from the final drive, dude. It's true. <laughs> That's the difference. That's the difference. I mean, it wasn't a last-second touchdown. They did have they did yeah. have over a minute. Yeah, they had over a minute. But come on, Trey. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it. I'm with you. But like I said, I think the the refs in one, that game went went both play, ways. I thought it was fairly even. One play happened with nearly over 29 minutes left in the game. Yeah, yeah. And another and a bunch of plays, three plays consecutive penalties happened with 90 seconds left dude or just over 90 seconds left. Yeah. that's the difference so let's look into this game just a little bit more and the fact that now the the rams are super bowl champions the Bengals they had that chance at the at the very end of the game but then aaron donald just absolutely takes over on that final drive back-to-back plays a lot of people are talking about him getting to burrow on the fourth down play look at that third down play man where he pulled the pulled the running back back and saved them from getting a first down right there right there on third down i it it's weird to debate super bowl mvps and i don't think we've ever seen a game more in my lifetime and watching a super bowl where co-mvps were deserved because cup and aaron donald like Cut that award in half. Give them both trophies or something. Both of those guys, in my opinion, were equally responsible for the Rams hoisting the Lombardi Trophy on Sunday night. I won't. I won't argue with that. But I'll. I'll. I'll say this much: when it came. When it came to Cooper Cup in the last drive, they did. And when I say they, I mean the Rams and the Rams offense and Matthew Stafford. They did exactly what they should have did, or should have done. And that is the fact that they basically said, this is our guy and we're going to get him the ball. We're going to force the football to him and get it to him. And you on the other side, lacking a lockdown cornerback, you on the other side have to figure out what you have to do to stop this guy. We're going to put him in multiple, multiple positions. We're going to run the ball on fourth down with him. Love that play call. That might have been my favorite play call the whole game. I loved it. Think about the fact that, I mean, that's like that's like cardinal sin number one when it comes to fourth and one. Fourth and one, you're supposed to go straight ahead. Quarterback sneak, straight ahead. Whether it be the fullback, halfback, whomever it is. It's the Rams you. weren't doing that it's this not, past I'm, Sunday, man. Oh, I'm just telling you, that's, that's, that's what you're supposed to do when it comes to the objection, the the object of going forward to get a yard. And they ran that, you know, wide receiver sweep, basically. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, is that they got the ball in Cooper Cup's hands over and over and over again. And they basically told the Bengals, you got to figure it out. It's on you. 
I mean, the guy, like I said, he had that seven, the seven yard run on fourth and one, but he also had 40 yards, nearly 40, 40 yards. Almost half of his receiving yards in the whole yep. game. He only had 92 the whole game and he had 39 in that final drive. So kudos to the Rams to getting him the football because once Odell went out, they weren't forcing the ball to Cooper Cup and they were trying to find other ways to move the football down the field. One of the ways led to, you know, a tip pass being, being intercepted. One of Matthew Stafford's two interceptions that I gave it. The other one was all on him. Badly thrown pass. In the Agree. End. People talk about, oh, you know, it's as, it's as good as a punt. And he had an opportunity to score, score points, dude. Don't, don't, don't give the football away. But again, the Rams are trying to find ways to move the football down the field without using Cooper Cup because they knew the cut was just going to him up until that last drive. And that last drive, they said, we don't care. We're getting the ball to this guy. So we'll figure it out <laughs> and let the Bengals figure out stopping him. Now, you asked me for an apology uh, last week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. I know I'm probably not going to get it, but can we end the talk that teams have to be good to great at running the football to win the Super Bowl? Because not only in, no. this, game, in this game, but throughout the playoffs, the Rams were not very good at, at running the football and they're hoisting and they're they ended up hoisting the Lombardi trophy Cincinnati in this game wasn't very good running the football it was all the majority of their success throughout the playoffs was through the air with with Joe Burrow that's not true that's not true in this, in the in majority this of their success Mixon had 72 yards rushing doing on 15 carries he he was averaging nearly five yards a pop but I, their their success came on the big plays granted but they still were running the football and and you know what my argument not so much to you is they probably could have kept running the football because they were successful running the football you know when the Rams defense took over when they were putting their quarterback yeah in the pocket throwing the football and he got sacked a record seven times so no we're not going to put that to bed because you can say whatever you want but there's two things not just one, two things. The other thing is, is stopping the run. That's the thing. Run it and stop it. Physical, I'm with you on stop it. Physical play. That's my thing. So I'm not telling you you got to be, you know, Brandon Jacobs and Amar Bradshaw, uh, Thunder and whatever you want to call them. I'm not telling you you got to run the football 40 times in 70 plays. But I'm telling you, you have to have the ability to run the football and balance your offense. Neither one of these teams had more than 325 yards total yards in the game to begin with. So it wasn't like either one of these teams was, was offensively being extremely productive. As you mentioned, what was the Bengals? The Bengals, as much as I said about Mixon, having the yards he had, 72 yards, they were about big plays. Okay, Higgins had four catches. He -hmm. had 100 yards. 75 of them came on one play, or 79 of them came on one play. Now let's talk about the aftermath and and where the Rams are. And you kind of alluded to it with the Sean McVay thing and the Aaron Donald thing. Uh, Aaron Donald asked after the game if he's going to to hang it up. And 
didn't want to commit either way. This these Sean McVay rumors come out of come out of nowhere, so to speak. But then yesterday at the the Rams Super Bowl parade and celebration, both were talking about running it back. Uh, Sean McVay's fiance today, I believe, put out a post on I believe Instagram where it said that he is not retiring. Just Lynn, where was your thoughts when this kind of stuff started to come out? When after the game, I thought it was more of a possibility for Donald than McVeigh, but still, Donald, man, that's almost like a like a Barry Sanders situation where in 10, 15 years, this guy plays less than 10 years in the league, and we still might be talking about him as the best defensive tackle in, in the history of the game. I'm glad that it looks like right now that he's going to come back, but just a very interesting kind of storyline following what the Rams just did and then possibly losing the two most people, uh, the two most important people in your Super Bowl run. Yeah, when it comes to Sean McVay, let's remember something too. And this isn't, this isn't to knock him, but this is his second crack at winning a championship. Mm-hmm. And in the first one, self-admission, he got out coached by arguably the greatest coach in history in the NFL, Bill Belichick, but it put up three points. And you could argue, granted, we watched the Rams offense this year, you could argue, with the exception of a quarterback play, that offense that the Patriots held to three points is just as good as this one. The only difference is the quarterback and the emergence of number 10, Cooper Cup. Yep. Because that allowed you, that allowed the Rams, even on Sunday, we talked about the four, fourth and one run, that allowed the, the Rams to use Cooper Cup in so many different ways. So many different ways. And whether it's because Matthew Stafford's in LA, I mean, there's a reason why Cooper Cup had the year he had in 2021 and why he, you know, whether it be co-MVP or whether it be MVP and being the guy on that final drive, there's a reason why he was able to do what he did. I'm not, I'm not so sure that it's not because of his relationship with Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Because, I mean, you look around the league, dude, that wide receiver quarterback combination, that thing matters, man. Yeah. Look on the other side. Look at Jamar Chase and look at Joe Burrow. Those guys have been, been running with each other for, you know, Burrow left and Chase was Chase was drafted after him. But, you know, with the exception of that one year where one was still in college, the other guy went to the pros, those guys have been together for a couple of years. LSU and then now with the Bengals. So that relationship matters, man. It, it, it matters as far as the quarterback's concerned. So when it comes to the Rams, when it comes to McVay, when it comes to the talk of leaving, did I take it seriously? I did, but I also said, he's not going to stay away. If he, if, if he did leave, he wouldn't stay away. The Donald talk, I took seriously. Because mm-hmm. not only you mentioned Sanders, but I'll, and, and granted, we're talking about being the best at your position at the time of their retirement, whether it be Barry Sanders 
or if Donald decides to leave, being the best interior defensive lineman of all time, you can have that argument. But I think of Patrick Willis. Yep. Okay. He may have not won a Super Bowl, but he was playing at the top of the profession. He was arguably the best middle linebacker at the time of his retirement. And that was, I mean, that was earth shattering when it came to the 49ers. Fact that the guy left after six or seven years, not forced to leave, just on his own accord. Just no, I'm done playing football. So I kind of think this would have been eight for Donald, eight seasons he's yes. been in the league. Yeah, I mean, before you're 30 years old, I kind of I kind of thought in those terms when it came to Donald talking about leaving. But the difference is, is that you know, <laughs> like he did after that final play when he made that stop on fourth down and pointed to his finger, ring me, ring me. He got a ring. So he, he would have walked away. And I would have taken that. I took it more seriously uh, from Donald than I did McVeigh. Because I, like I said, I would have expected McVeigh, if he did leave, if he does leave, that he'll come back. I think the thing with McVeigh and why the rumors kind of lit up even more is the fact that we did see someone at the end of one era this past Sunday in Los Angeles. And that's the fact that Al Michaels the longtime Sunday night football announcer. That was his last game on his NBC contract. And now he is going to likely be moving to Amazon to be the play-by-play guy on their uh, Thursday night football package, where now Mike Tirico will step in with Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night football. But the big rumor out there is that Michaels wants to take Troy Aikman away from uh, Fox to pair with him on Thursday night football and there were rumors that Fox was going to throw the absolute world at Sean McVay to have Sean McVay step into the booth with Joe Buck and be their new marquee duo that calls the Super Bowl calls America's game of the week all of that uh now it looks like he's going to stay does Fox go after uh Sean Payton who just stepped away with the Saints is Tom Brady a guy that you want in the booth? I'd be interested if if you're going to put Tom Brady in the booth, I'd be interested in almost doing a three-man booth where you throw Gronk in there as well. I think that could be kind of fun. But that, to me, all those rumors as far as the booth went, I think that's why the McVay thing took off a little, a little bit more than it probably even should have. No disrespect to any and all those color analysts. I don't watch the game for them. It, you could put you. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, if not that this bad commentary doesn't bother you. I mean, you got to dig really, really hard to find bad. Can I? Okay. Can I point out? Can I point out particular things that make me go hmm when a guy says it? Sure, absolutely, but. It's more of a, it's more almost like a preseason game that I that I you know hear some guy say some stuff in regards to you know what what did he just say like like from an informative standpoint information standpoint from a standpoint of dude do you really know this team as opposed to in the regular season you 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 you're meeting with the team on a Thursday night or a Friday pre-production meetings you're doing all this stuff so you're prepared Right, as opposed to a preseason game where a guy makes a comment, it's like, "Oh, he's having a great camp." It's like, well, 
who's having a great camp? He's got a bunch of drops this camp, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. That's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. It's more the preseason stuff than the regular season stuff where, I, where I'd say bad commentary gets me. But again, if for some reason Fox can't get Peyton, I mean, you plug in Greg Olson, I'm good, whatever. It doesn't, I, it doesn't matter to me. Olson and Burkhart kind of became my one of my favorite uh, commentary duos this past season. Again, really like under, underrated guys. But the bottom line is for me, I don't care. When Buck goes and does the World Series, they got to plug somebody in as mm-hmm. the number one play-by-play team, right? Or play-by-play guy, right? Am I scratching my head going, oh, God. Joe Buck's not doing the game this week. I can't watch the game. But come on, man. It doesn't matter. I mean, God, like I said, we're in the business. So God bless him. And, you know, get that check. Get that cheese. I understand. Awesome. But, it, but from a football fan standpoint, it doesn't change me. I'm not watching Monday night games any more than what I would if Levy or Tarico or Michaels, any of those guys, I'm not, it doesn't change me. It, it just it just doesn't. It's funny how the networks go about that and want to get the top guys. The Tony Romo effect. I think it almost even goes back to when Gruden went to Monday Night Football is kind of what really started these huge kind of contracts for the color guy. It doesn't matter to me who's doing those games it doesn't matter you could put iron eagle on cbs games the number one team and i'm good <laughs> i mean like i said like his I said, son noah eagle too is good too man like I'm i said good i could run down a bunch of bunch of number yeah. one you know a bunch of number two guys that could be plugged in number one and i'm good because it doesn't matter because i'm not watching because nancy's doing the game or Ro- or romo's doing the game or buck is doing the game or aikman's doing the game I mean, it might give your team a little more status and you might, you know, from a fan standpoint, you might be like, hey, we got the number one broadcast team this week. But it doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter. Just don't bring Jason Witten back. Now, <laughs> let's talk about... Why you got to take of... shots, dude? Why you got why, why to take shots? I mean, man? you talked about bad commentary being in the preseason. I mean, it, it, was a li- it was a little hard to watch Monday Night Football with Jason Witten. It's not take shots. Jason Witten's going to be a guest in a couple of weeks, man. It's not necessary. You want to talk about Booger, too? I mean, come on, man. It's not necessary. Oh, I'm a big Booger fan. Witten should have... Booger should have been the guy in the booth to begin with. But let's... T- Let's well, talk about. Don't make me don't, don't make me start sending you links about some of the things that Booger did and said, man. Let's talk about the yeah, Tampa okay. Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> he was like the, some... he was like the equivalent of Joe Morgan doing football. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Let's talk about the Tampa the late, Bay Buccaneers. Great, Joe, Joe Morgan, by the way, rest in peace, Joe. I actually liked that Sunday Night Football duo, but it was when I was a kid. I didn't really know baseball. What I was, you mean? Yeah, or Sunday Night Baseball. Yes, him. Uh, John Miller. John Miller and Joe Morgan. They were kind of the voice of my mm-hmm. Sunday night baseball childhood. So let's talk about the Bucks. And one of the storylines we talked about last week was, was it finally the year for Rondé Barber to get into the Hall of Fame? I'm watching NFL Honors on Thursday night, and I'm, they're bringing out these guys to announce people to go into the Hall of Fame. And Derek Brooks pops on the screen. And I'm like, man, this is it. Rondé's in. No, it's Leroy Butler. Um, Lynn, what's your take on 
what's going on with Rondé and why he's waiting so long and what's it going to take for him to get in? Is it kind of a, a bias against slot corners? Because, I mean, Greg Allman put it out and directly compared Butler's stats to Rondé's, mm-hmm. and there's not really much of a comparison there. And overall, this is kind of a, in my opinion, you've got some legends there, but it is a little bit of a weaker class. So I kind of thought that this would be Rondé's year to slide in. I'm surprised he didn't. And I I would like to know what that committee is thinking uh, and uh, not putting number 20 in the Hall of Fame just yet. You know, before Leroy Butler got in, I was trying to figure out why Rondé hasn't gotten in yet. And you can look at some of the more recent inductees. You can mention John Lynch and Kurt Warner, and think of terms of post-football career, right? Mm -hmm. What those guys are doing now, what they've done since. John Lynch was in the booth. He's gone on to be a general manager at San Francisco. He's doing what he's doing there. And, of course, Kurt Warner is one of the top analysts on the NFL Network. But they are media-friendly. That's the thing. Now, that's not to say that Rondé isn't, because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like, man, what's the reason why Rondé hasn't getting in? He calls games. No, 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 no. I, like right. I said, not, not that he's not media friendly, but here's the thing. All that that I just said gets squashed. You want to know why? Because Leroy Butler gets in. And God bless Lambo, and God bless the Packers and everything that Leroy has done the pack of uniform but where's well how all of a sudden did he become a media darling so my thinking in terms of becoming a media darling post-career gets squashed because butler gets in and I, I i'm still bewildered in regards to why he got in over ronde don't i'm a guy that actually played safety not at a high level but played it so i have a a love for safeties. I can run them down to the guys that, that I idolized from Paolo Malo, Bob Sanders, Ed Reed. Love those guys. Wanna know why? Because they played downhill or they played a tight end. It didn't matter. They played the run. I mean, Bob Sanders was like 5'8, dude, 220. Played in the middle. Beast, playing, man. Playing, playing behind linebackers in the Colts defense. I say all that because I'm a guy who will make a case for a safety over most guys, but I'm not making a case for Leroy Butler over Rondé because the numbers just kick you in the ass when it comes to what Rondé Barbara has done beyond the fact of revolutionizing a position totally, totally before his time. That position that he played is a starting position now in the NFL. Say it over and over again since they made him a finalist. Look at defenses, dude. They play nickel corners as a starting guy. I mean, if you if you play a four-down lineman, you're playing a 4-2-5, right? Four linemen, two linebackers, five defensive backs. That fifth defensive back is the nickel corner, okay? 
You want to play, you want to play three, three, five? Okay. Three linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. Nickel corner. I don't get it, dude. I really don't. Now let's look a le- look ahead to next year and the guys that are going to be entering the ballot that Rondé is going to have to compete with. I think there there are two candidates for first ballot Hall of Famers next year. One is Joe Thomas, the former uh, Cleveland Browns offensive tackle, and the other one is Dwight Freeney. But the, some other interesting names on the list, James Harrison, CJ2K, Chris Johnson, the running back, Carson Palmer. But the one that people are going to be talking about and comparing to Rondé starting next year is Darrell Revis. You and said Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer is on the is on the list. His first year of eligibility is next year. I'm not I he was not who I was including in the first ballot Hall of Famers whatsoever. Brought him up. So <laughs> I did I did on on this anybody list. Anybody else? Anybody else you want to bring up? On this list, that's on, on the, the list that on this, that shouldn't be on the list. <laughs> on this list that I'm looking at, Matt Forte is on it as well, and yeah, I'm not I'm bringing saying, him man. up. Yeah. But the the one that people are going to be comparing to Ronde is Darrell Revis. Now I will say this about Revis versus Ronde. I don't think during the course of Ronde's career he was fantastic. I've listed. Everybody knows that he is my favorite, and I think he is the greatest Buccaneer of all time. He was never considered the best corner in the NFL. Correct. Revis was. Correct. But I'll also say this. Revis's peak was so short compared to the longevity that Rondé had. Do you think Revis has a chance to get in on the first ballot? Yep. And do you think you do really do? Oh, yeah. Do you think he's getting in ahead of Rondé, period? I mean, I I want to be sitting here 12 months from now talking about the induction of, you know, Rondé Barber and after Super Bowl 57. I, try, I would hope that they could put both guys in. Revis is getting in. Here's why Revis is getting in. One, his success with the Patriots and winning there. After two, he came here to Tampa Bay. Two, yeah. And two is not only... Tampa Bay, but where he played previously, the way he in got New drafted. York, yes, sir. I mean, there were. I mean, you coined a phrase, dude, Revis Island, all right, and all and all the notoriety. You can talk about it, you know, being overblown and playing the number one media market and all that. I get it, I understand it, but it matters. It matters, and his success in New York and being that guy, being the number one corner in the NFL, in New York, coining the phrase, Revis Island, he's getting in in the first shot, dude. Freeney Thomas, do you think they're first ballot guys? Woo! I mean, uh, I, I sit here and, and, and I, I debate Dwight Freeney, uh, but... I want to say he may not get in on the, on the first try, but when I mean, you look around and some of the guys that got in on the first try, it's like, really? He got in on the first? He got in on the first shot? You know what I mean? And, and he, he turn around and and I know Richard Seymour was was a great defensive end, but most of his success was in New England. His second part of his career in Oakland as a Raider. Not great. Wasn't very good. 
took that big old fat check and didn't put up a whole lot of numbers in, in Oakland. And we can talk about why playing in the scheme and maybe not having the help he had in New England. But the bottom line is his productivity didn't match what he did previously when he played in New England. But guess where he is? In Canton. Now, let's talk about this. Let's move on. We'll talk about it probably every week of this offseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback situation. Sunday morning, all of the uh, pregame for the Super Bowl, I feel like all these reporters just kind of dash some dash some nuggets in a little knapsack and just bring it to the Super Bowl and just throw them all out there on Super Bowl Sunday. It comes out first on Super Bowl Sunday that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would still like to have Tom Brady back for the 2022 season. That's not the shocking part, but the the shocking part to me is that they are actually somewhat hopeful that they will get him back. That was the first part of the story. And then it comes, comes out that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing their due diligence on all trades. That's not shocking. We thought that they would be in the trade market for uh, a quarterback. One that was mentioned was Russell Wilson. That one's not hugely surprising to me, but considering our conversation on this guy a couple of weeks ago uh, and what we the conclusion we ended up coming to as far as the uncertainty of him and the haul it would take to get him, Deshaun Watson's name was brought up by Ian Rappaport that the Bucks are doing their due diligence on Deshaun Watson. And then it comes out later that the Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the two teams that Watson has circled as teams he would like to go to considering he has a no trade clause. Are you starting to believe that this Watson thing might be a little bit more likely than we initially thought? No. What's changed in his case? <laughs> No, you can do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. A guy on death row, you know what he does? He does his due diligence. He he writes letters over and over and over to people hoping for some clemency. <laughs> he don't, he, you know why? Because <laughs> he's not trying to get that chair or that lethal injection. Well, yeah, you do your due diligence diligence but that doesn't mean it's going to work out to anything i mean the guy still has 22 lawsuits and things hanging over his head and then and the texans want to do you know and you have a football team that doesn't know what it wants to do with the guy (laughs) so so the idea of oh it's february 13th let's talk about deshaun watson where he's gonna play please did we settle the lawsuits first? No, they're not done. So, and if, again, I'll go back to it again. And the Texans haven't told you what they're going to do with the guy. They haven't even said what they want for the guy. Supposedly, they want to move him before the draft, but it's, I don't know how you, I don't know how if you're a team, you can give up the haul that the Texans want, which it was reported that they had a deal in place with the Dolphins for third for three first round picks and a couple of other draft picks for Watson, but Stephen Ross wanted Watson to settle the lawsuits out of court before making the trade. That did not happen before the deadline. Those lawsuits are still not settled, and you don't know what the league is going to do in terms of a suspension. Thank you. Thank you. So here, so here, you want to pump up all Bucks fans listening to this podcast and go, 
Hey, we might get Deshaun Watson for the 2022 season. Guess what? Let's say, let's say miraculously the 22 lawsuits are gone. Okay, now what? Now you have to make the trade, give up what you're going to give up to put him in a Bucks uniform. And now you have to wait for the league to decide what they're going to do with that guy. And so, the guy hasn't played in a few years and he has injury concerns. I'm not even, I'm not even worried about that part. I'm not even worried about that part. You're talking about putting him in a uniform that you don't even know when he's going to be able to put the uniform on. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So here you want to pump up and you're not the only one. I'm, I'm not pumping him up. I'm just going no, no, based no, no, off no, no, the no, story. No, 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 no. You are pumping up Bucks fans by saying, it's a possibility. Ian Rappaport has come out and said, well, uh, the, the Bucks are, are, are one of the two teams. Rappaport, I- Rappaport doesn't report stuff just for the sake of it. I'm, That's I'm surprised. I'm surprised I'm surprised that the story even got out there that the Bucks are this interested in him and it was even followed up with an article by Rick Stroud who both of us put on the Mount Rushmore of Tampa Bay Buccaneers media talking about how there might be smoke to this and Watson might be their best option I'm surprised that we are already (laughs) at this point I'm surprised do you need me to tell you again again (laughs) the fact that you do your due diligence no matter what. That is fine. That that's fine. <laughs> more I, likely, if, if it's so, more, listen. If if I'm hanging on a thread here, my hand is reaching up, and I'm just hanging on to that last branch. You know what I'm going? You know what I'm doing? My due diligence to save my behind. So it doesn't listen. That's I understand that teams are going to do the due diligence. They're not being correct in running their front office if they don't, especially if he's come out openly said that they're one of the two teams that he would that he'd like to go to. That's not the thing. The thing is, is, is again, the lawsuits and when the league is going to allow this guy to play, not to mention what it's going to take to get him here in Tampa Bay. You and when I say you're pumping up. I'm not saying you, you're pumping up in regards to just blatantly saying that he's going to play here. I'm saying you're putting it out there to Bucks fans with everybody else that has said the same thing. Oh, he could end up being a buck. That's fine. But what are you playing for? You're playing for 2022, right? You're playing for your quarterback to be taking snaps in September. I don't care where that guy plays. If he's able to get traded out of Houston after these lawsuits are either settled or whatever happens to him, this guy's not going to be playing on September of 2022. He's not. More more likely to take a snap as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback in the 2022 season, Deshaun Watson or Tom Brady? You mean the whole season? Because I, 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 w- I wasn't putting it out there for opening day because neither of us think Watson plays opening day. So more likely to be the Bucks' starting quarterback at some point in the 2022 season. More likely? Oh, listen, I'll tell you, I'll tell you five for Tom and I'll, percentage and I'll tell you 10 for Deshaun. <laughs> oh, you know what? Forget that. I'll give you the prices right. I'll tell you 5% for Tom 
and 5.5% for Deshaun. One dollar, Bob. One dollar. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> and the price is $200. The guy who bid one dollar is the winner. And you go run up, dude. There you go. Where are you from? I'm Trent Downey. Did you call me Trent? I said Trent Downey. Okay. <laughs> all right. There is going to be a ton more to get into as we roll through the off season. That's it. That's of... all we're gonna do, man. That's all. That's all we're gonna do. You got anything? You got anything else? You already want to go through all the all the free agents, all the off season, nope. uh, all all the off season storylines. I'm I'm trying to I save mean, you, those. You brought as up the idea. You brought up the idea of Deshaun Watson playing in Tampa Bay. Why don't you bring up the idea of Aaron Rodgers playing here too? And everybody that else? wasn't that wasn't reported. So that I didn't bring that up because it wasn't yeah. reported. Uh, you know what? That's more likely than Deshaun. Do I they, think Ro- the, I think Rogers is staying in Green Bay at this so point. So do I. So do I. But the dude, when I say the dude, I'm talking about Deshaun. Number four is not going to be playing in September. So everybody else, so everybody that wants him in Tampa Bay, you got to think about that. Think about the haul that you're going to give up, and the fact that when he does get, I don't even want to say reinstated because he's not out, but when he's allowed, okay, to go to another team. And he shows up, <laughs> he may not even make it all the way inside the Avenue Health Training Center before somebody from the league is like, hey, by the way, we'd like a word with you and your lawyer. <laughs> like I said, plenty of other storylines to get in as we roll through the offseason. The Bucks have a lot of very important free agents. Ryan Jensen, Chris Godwin, Carlton Davis are among them. We will start looking into that offseason plan. We will look ahead to the draft. We got a ton of time here. But then, you know, the NFL season rolls on and it rolls on. And before you know it, free agency will be here. And then before you know it, the draft will be here. And then before you know it, training camp will be here. And then the season will be here. But that is going to do it for this week. Until next week, he is Lynn Martez. Follow him on Twitter, at Elmar810. I am Trey Downey. Follow me on Twitter, at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter, at Bucks underscore Nation. And check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis for the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. Deshaun, keep your lawyer's card handy. <laughs>